And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Mr. Scott, shall we give the Enterprise a proper shakedown? I would say it's time for that, sir. I... Before this drama unfolds, we give welcome to the ones named Kirk and Spock. You! What planet is this? Which one of you is the captain? We violate the treaty, Captain. Sir, someone is stealing the Enterprise. What are you scratching at? Humans make illogical decisions. Destruct sequence completed and engaged. No! Yes, I found Mr. Spock. I'm talking to Mr. Spock. You understand? Starfleet, do you read? This is the Enterprise. We are under attack. Fire, Mr. Scott. Welcome to Star Trek Monthly Monday number I don't even know because I'm on vacation at ACBCCon, which is actually over, but we'll look at this as sort of an extension of the month. And I figured we got to do at least one of the monthly Mondays this month just for some sort of consistency. And luckily, it's, it's very easy to do that because one of our own, Mr. Gene Hendricks, has actually made Star Trek fan films. So this week, we will be talking about three Star Trek fan films. And uh, what are the names of them in in order? Well, the overall um, series is called Tales of the Seventh Fleet. And then under that, the first episode is called Return to Doomsday. Second one is known as Upgrade. And third one is titled A Touch of Home. And the fourth one on the way is Street Fight. Yes. Street Fight. Everything, that one sounds exciting, been, man. Well, it is. Uh, we filmed everything for it, but, I mean, all, all the acting is done. All the stuff in front uh-huh. of the, the blue screen is done, but it's the CGI and the editing, which are... Always take the longest yeah, part. Uh, and, and you have people... How dare these people have lives outside yeah. of doing this? But it just, it's kind of bogged down. But from the script, it's, and from being in the scenes and everything, it is very 
exciting. There's a lot of fighting going on. Ship to ship battle, ship to station battle. Really good stuff. You see how one of the thoughts I was thinking when I was watching it was, um, it, it, and these were were these the first films you've ever done of any kind or like edited yeah. films you've ever done? Yeah, you can see the learning process going on with you guys. We go from crappy to not so crappy. It keeps getting less, but that's that's you know who comes out of the egg fully formed, True. you know, and. and and I would just see more and more action. I was like, you know what? One or two or more of these, and we're pretty soon we're going to get a hand-to-hand phaser fight, you know? Right. And uh, Yeah, and that's actually, if you watch them all the way at the end, there's a, a just a mm-hmm. little scene with my friend Ed just coming out around the corner, pull, puts a phaser up, Super Day, look out, and shoots a phaser. That was the first ever test they filmed to oh. see... Can we do these special effects? And it became your Sidhu Busit. Yes, yeah, exactly. I love those. Well, the guy uh, that does all the CGI, uh, his his name's Dan Swift, but he goes on everything online for him is Super Danny. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah. I'd stick with Dan Swift. Is such a great name. It's like that. What was it? It was Tom Swift. Tom it Swift. Yeah. Time books with uh, the. They were science fiction technology books, too, so it works right. sort of perfectly. I got to say, we were going to do, a, a few years back, Scott and I were talking about with Star Trek Monthly Monday, and at that time, Star Wars Monthly Monday, and it was going to be my job to do, like, go out on YouTube or Vimeo. Oh, you the are the labs, media masochist. Right, and find <laughs> Star Trek fan films. And it just never, you know, it just never panned out. As Star Trek and Star Wars, I found too many of them, and like some, you know, and it was just, I, w- I didn't know where to start, and it just sort of lost steam. So this is our first, fan. we've talked a little bit about Kali's films, because we've seen him, Well, this he is also, a total different thing. He's, well, he, they have training. <laughs> oh yeah, he was. I mean, he was. Well, he was like an intern doing intern work, right? On but the he next all generation and stuff, and he's able to get. DC Fontana to right. work with him. He's able to get Walter Koenig to film with him. Right. You know, so he's he's got the talent there. Right. Uh, but yeah, we the the genesis of Tales of the Seven Fleet, specifically the Justice part, because the ship that we follow is the USS Justice. We and it still exists. I'm just not an active member anymore. We were a Star Trek fan club, and. These were, we would go to cons. We would have a table at a con. Well, what what better way to show how much fun you can have than to have a laptop set up mm-hmm. showing the Star Trek episode that you made with your friends. Right, right. That's what it was. It was a recruiting tool. And the fact that it happened to be fun and a creative outlet to boot was a bonus. Right, right. I mean... Yeah, I mean, if if you if you keep doing them, pretty soon you become a filmmaker. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> because them, if you care about them, and that I, you guys obviously did, yeah, because you could see things that like the the first film, you were limited by you know you were doing the chroma key effects in the camera. Yeah, we had one camera, one camera, so you have to have a static shot. So when you have two ca- characters, you either have to put one character here, one character here. And cut them back, cut them back and forth statically, or put one on one side of the screen and one on the other right. side of the screen. And then 
you know, the next film, you had, what, three cameras in the second film, or was it the third one? Uh, the second film, we had two cameras. The third film, we had three. The fourth one, we still had three. We didn't go to four. And, and as you add cameras, it just, it adds naturalness and life yeah. to the to the show, because it, it's, it's you know, you're switching things up. Right. And, and uh, it also helps, like, in the third one, which I was directing the third one. Mm-hmm. And what I would do is I would take... And the most action-packed one, I might add. Oh, you got to work up to these things. But what we would do is we would take a scene, and I had the scene printed out individually on on a piece of paper or however many pieces. And I would block it out. And I would say, okay, well, this I'm going to call this scene 16A, and this is scene 16... And then I would go A, B, whatever, on the back of the piece of paper, and I would storyboard it. So I know where I wanted the camera, right? And like uh, in in that episode, in a touch of home, at one point, Stoffels, the science officer, is kneeling down. Well, I said, "Well, we got three cameras. Okay, we have the one here. Well, if we have the one on the ground looking up at him, yeah, yeah. you know, and it's, it's all a very Star Trekky shot. Yeah, yeah, it's all CG background, so you can put whatever background you want in." So you don't have to worry, oh, well, the lights are up there. Right, right. No, you just put the camera down there and shoot up. And I thought it worked pretty well. It did. The way it came out. But, yeah, it was just a fun thing to do. Now, you haven't seen them. But these are the only fan films we've done. We have done other films. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, like documentaries. No, no, just just... little fun things. Oh, okay. Like we had, uh, it was a justice thing that I don't I don't know if we did one or two but we would do a holiday thing we would do a Christmas just a little short video and they're all out on YouTube and it was Stoffels and Lupia my my character was Lupia Danny's character was Stoffels beaming down to a planet it happened to be the same planet in Touch of Home just because we had this stuff with Santa Claus Santa Claus beams down in front of us, and I'm sorry, I'm laughing at my own joke here. But and he <laughs> and he <laughs> walks know. off screen, and you hear ho 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 oh no, and <laughs> phaser fire, and Stovall and I just look over. It's like, uh oh. <laughs> Stovall looks at Loopy and says, "Grab the toys," <laughs> and then it goes black and it says, "Chris Kringle." Red shirt. <laughs> oh yeah, no shit. <laughs> yeah, and then we did a couple more because we, another activity that that the crew would do is we would play paintball. In fact, one time we played paintball with William Shatner, and it wasn't a Star Trek theme one at that time. It was a cavalry theme, but we were his honor guard and everything. But we would play paintball in these themed events. One of them was a. It was called New Jersey Nom. It was Jesus. yes. It was a New Jersey Vietnam simulation simulation to the point where some of the the people got inserted into the field via helicopter. Oh wow! Yeah, you would fly in, land the helicopter in your gear, and have to run out. Oh, awesome! Well, to to promote this and to celebrate this, we did a video. We did the opening credits for the J Team, which was an A Team ripoff, but for paintball. And it was uh, the music, the, the music, 
Dun, 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 dun. And I did a graphic that I managed to do the bullet holes oh, to do the yeah. J team. And it was it was fun. It was just a blast. Yeah. We filmed it in a day. Now it was hilarious. Now another another paintball one was um, it was a mobster theme. But like you know, classic like 30 mobsters. But we're from Jersey, we can't do that. We did the opening of Sopranos. But all around Hackettstown, where Danny's from. It was okay. driving from one friend's house to Hackettstown. Yeah, okay. And oh, that's right. They, they, I wasn't involved in that one, but Danny and Ed, they recreated shot for shot the Sopranos opening. But with them. And then they get out at the car at the end and they're holding their paintball guns. In, in the, the 30s suits. Oh, that's the awesome. zoot suits. That's awesome. Yeah, so we would do all these little little film things just to promote us, you know? And it got us, like with the paintball stuff, it got us special things. Because we were promoting the game. We were yeah. trying, you know, and the promoter could say, oh, yeah, go look at this video. Or it would draw people to their website. So right. we got a little bit of a bonus from that in the game for helping promote it. So it, yeah, it's it was a creative outlet more than anything else. Yeah, but I mean, doing stuff like that is so much easier than doing a Star Trek thing. Oh yeah, Star Trek is so established in people's minds. Yes, that it's just like, I mean, and and you ha there's a dilemma with with fan films, even when you're James Colley, mm -hmm. where you're not going to get everything right. Nobody's right. going to have the budget or the team and the crew and the you know to, uh, the time yeah. to re recreate it. Even though like Holly's tried, y you just you you can't. So you have to figure out ways to get around it. What I thought was the most brilliant thing in in the whole thing was the mm. transporter effect. Oh yeah, because I saw it and I was like, wow, that looks like the transporter. I just instantly took that for a video effect, mm -hmm. and um, you did it old school. Yeah. Uh, um, well, tell them what you... Well, the, the way it did... I used a program called After Effects. And in After Effects, you can create different layers mm -hmm. to go over or back behind stuff. Well, the, you, what you do is you... And if you notice, it wasn't freeze frame. They were right. still no, moving. Yeah. So what you do is you trace out in After Effects, in just like in Photoshop. You just trace them out and, okay, this is now a window. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And then behind in that behind that window, we we had Danny actually had this purple glitter lamp. It's like a lava lamp, but it's full of glitter. He got the camera like an inch from it and filmed it working. And I took that and I put that behind that window, so that goes in the cutout of the character. So it's this purple glittery effect. And then if you look in um, Star Trek Two, when they do the transporter, there's this glow. Yes. I, I read online that, um, and I didn't invent this, by the way. This, this was from, I, I went to, oh, how do you do transporter do you do effects this? and after effects? Okay. And I did that. Well, did they get, Well, mean, it was, it's called like a, uh, a heart glow or something. They okay. said, basically, you're going to do a lens flare real slow and you center it on the middle of the person's chest 
because that's how it was. Right, right. So I have a column of light that comes down. That's the transporter from beam. The, from the lava lamp. Right. Well, no, that's just that's that's a, a, that's a video of, okay. effect. That's that. Then the lava lamp fades in, and the light comes up. And as the light fades out, everything fades out. Every, everything else. And fades then they're out. gone. Then it's just the background. And then you reverse the process to the beam in. And it it took a while to do, but the excuse yeah, they, me for tooting my own horn. I think it came out really good. No, it looks just like the the the, the beaming. And I think the secret of it was that lava lamp because it adds that organic. Right, and since they were instead of like globs of lava, it's little pieces of shiny filament metal. Mm-hmm. The way they were going, just sort of straight up, that yeah. was just it, that. That wasn't as much the effect in um, like the original Star Trek. It was more like little dots, yeah. that would fade up. That was more the yeah the Star Trek two, um, yeah, next and, generation. And this, look of it. these films are based. It's. It's actually after the beginning of Star Trek Generations. Okay. Kirk is gone. Okay. The the incident with the Excel the, the Enterprise B happened. So Kirk is gone. That's why in Return to Doomsday, the the one character when they say, "Oh, Star, you know, we're going to get a ship to relieve us." The one character makes a joke, "Oh, when are they going to be here? Tuesday?" Because that was the running gag with the captain of the Enterprise B with right. with Cameron. Right, right, right. You know, oh, well, we don't have that yet. When's it coming? Tuesday. <laughs> you know, so it, it's just something that we worked in, which no one will get now. Because right. when's the last time anyone watched Generations? Really? Well, well you, I mean, I ha- yeah, but it was for the show. It was for the show. <laughs> yeah, I mean, of their own volition. Yeah. Well, I'm not. I you know, I mean, I don't. I like. I, I, I like. I like all those original Star Trek. Oh, I like to varying degrees, but yeah. Generations is not one of my go-to Star Trek right. movies for sure. So a lot of what we were doing was we were trying to bridge the gap between the original cast movies and Next Generation. Next Generation. So that's why the transporter effect is more. In that vein, mm-hmm. and why you have the the movie nacelle on the ship? Yes, our ship had a nacelle because we can do more with one nacelle than most ships can do with two. It's a destroyer. What do you want? And for the, for anyone that says, "Oh, they always have to have an even number of cell nacelles," no. Why would they? Well, Starfleet technical manual. Oh, okay. Franz Joseph. You look in there, It's yes, it's original series. Mm-hmm. There were scouts and destroyers that won the cell. Yes. Those graphics were used in Star Trek The Motion Picture when V'ger's going through everything. That's what's oh, showing really? up on the screen. That's cool. I never Slow it that. down and watch it sometime. It's the Starbase sketches and stuff from the Starfleet Technical Manual is what's going oh, through awesome. the screen. That's awesome. I'm like, it's great that they're paying tribute to that book, but it's like, no, that book is supposed to be is like the officially licensed real yeah. thing. Of course, that would be the pictures in there. That's great. Oh, now I have to now I have to watch that. <laughs> um, but back to the the, the Kali thing. Kali had the yeah. money and the sets and stuff, but he's gonna run into the same problem. The biggest problem when with any fan film mm-hmm. is acting. Ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the time, yeah. because the people who make it are not professional actors. Probably not have any acting Probably experience don't know at all. Any, know any professional actors, yeah. and and uh, and you have to work with what you have. 
And I noticed in the James Colley movies, you know, he got some he got mm-hmm. some real actors in, and he's an actor, and he hangs and he's worked on set, so he knows oh, yeah. people, so he can call up people and get like real actors. That being said, there's some really bad acting in the <laughs> James Colley Star Trek, especially like by like his Spocks. His Spocks have uh, maybe it's just because it's really hard. It's a tough role. It is a tough role to do. And uh, it, yeah, they they always end up. They never get the voice. There was a power to Leonard Nimoy, to his voice. Oh, yeah. Had, to his had, presence and everything. And their Spocks are very, like, kind of soft-spoken. And Yeah, well, Spock, What I think what a lot of people get wrong is that Spock was not emotionless. No, he, he was, was controlled. Always, yes. And you can have that control slip a little bit, so you can talk. Like, it is a logical deduction, but when the doctor starts talking to you, you can let it... Starts getting annoyed. Yeah, yeah. You, can, you can let it come through a bit. Just yes. a little. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and and it did a, quite a lot, you know, in, mm-hmm. in, in there. The, I mean, you don't joke... Emotionless people don't joke. They don't, you know, they don't, rag they don't. on people. They don't get offended when somebody compares them to a human mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So, and there was just something about the richness of Nimoy's voice. Well, anyway, that's a, that's just a tangent. <laughs> Back to, but um, you can see the acting going. And not just because you're the one in the room right now, but you definitely are the best actor in the show. And listeners, when when we tell you where to... Uh, actually, we're going to tell them right now so um, where they can go, go see it. Well, what you can do, the easiest way to find it is go to ussjustice.org. And then on the left-hand side, you're going to see Tales of the Seventh Fleet. Tales of the Seventh Fleet. I wish I could say it properly. Videos. You click on that, and it'll take you to the Vimeo page. Or you can just search for Tales of the Seventh Fleet. But it's easier to go to the Justice and follow the link. Yeah, and then it has all four of them. Yeah, you'll have have the three full episodes and then the trailer for the fourth one. Now, we did release trailers for the completed episodes before they came out. And those are all on YouTube. Probably the easiest thing would be just search for USS Justice. So you'll have that. You'll have the 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 paintball videos and the Christmas video and things like that. They're they're all out in the ether yeah, somewhere. Yeah, yeah. But ussjustice.org is the best way to find these videos. So yeah, yeah. Back me up there, listeners. When you go see this, this who has which actor has the most personality in the? Is it the fat guy or is it somebody else? <laughs> and it's funny. It's not the Gene Hendricks I've met. <laughs> is it? No, it was ten. Well, the first one was 11 years ago. Wow. Yeah. yeah 2004. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And basically, during during the filming of those, actually in the filming of the last one, my wife was actually pregnant. That's And the f- last scenes that we filmed with her, she was actually, that's sitting in a conference room. Right, right. Behind something. Right, you had to pull a Scarlett Scar- yeah. Johansson in Age of Ultron. Right. Or... So she... You know, we've had she had our daughter since then, and I have decided I need to be able to keep up with my kid. So that's why I've lost ninety pounds as of today. Well, probably less now because we had because of the we had a vacation a vacation. Yes, we yeah. have not been eating healthy food. Yeah, but that the 
the episode, well, the uniform I wear in the episodes, you'll notice that most of the time I'm wearing the engineer vest. Yes. That's because the, the regular uniform I had, I could barely keep closed. That I now need to be have taken in. I was just gonna say now you got to put the alligator clips on the back yeah. of the clips on the back of it. To yeah, yeah. That one I actually had to buy that over eBay because it was the only one I could find that would fit. You know, the other ones that are worn, they're they're off the shelf. Essentially off the shelf. Yeah. They're kind of from there's this website that does those uniforms, right, right? And they're Velcro and everything. Mine was snaps that went down. I. Michelle actually had to put uh, hook and eyes in it because the snaps would keep popping, popping open. Out. So there are hook and eyes to actually holding it closed. But it was uncomfortable to wear. <laughs> and friggin' hot, too. Because Film, yeah. I was just going to say, there's nothing comfortable about yeah. making a, a movie, no matter how big or small it is. Yeah. Now, I'm going to ask you something. Maybe I want to see how you feel about this. I have a feeling it's going to cut both ways. Oh, boy. You ever, th- and, and you ever thought of, like, I mean, now that it's 11 years later, mm. just, like, redoing them with, with the advances in technology, like, you know, um, do, do you ever feel like, you know, you want to, you want to, would want to, or do, would you just want to just keep going? I would rather, con- stuff? I would rather continue it okay, rather than yeah. redo it, mainly because... If you redid it, you'd probably have to redo it from scratch because you'd yeah. have to get new actors. We would need new and, people. Yeah, and a lot of the a lot of it is. And I was saying this before we were recording. The characters in that were originally our role playing characters. So we were playing Star Trek, the Star Trek role playing game. We create mm-hmm. these characters. Now in the game, the name of the character, like I played, you know, Commander Gene Hendricks in the game. But when we came to the film, it's like, oh, well, we need characters. We need to do this when we actually need characters. Well, we have these. We know that they have limitations. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they can't be Mary Sue's because they, they were created with rules. So we know they have limitations. We know where they're, what good they have. And in that game, you would take, well, it's points-based. So you would you buy skills with points. Mm-hmm. And get them higher level of points. Well, you can get extra points if you take drawbacks. So my drawback was I was a racist to Klingons, and well, there were no Klingons in Starfleet at the time, so it didn't right. didn't matter. Right. But that's where it comes from in the film, as it I had to take it, and then why the hell? Because one of the skills was that my character was. Uh, Proficient in using Klingon bladed weapons. Well, he hates Klingons, but he can use Klingon blade. You know where'd that come from? Well, he just wants to kill a Klingon with his own weapon. Well, he need to be exposed to it first. Oh, so that's okay. why I said, well, obviously, he was raised on Sherman's planet, where you had half Federation, half Klingons, and there would be an animosity there because they were trying to vie for control of the planet. So he was exposed to it, has a natural hatred for them. And probably as a an fu to them, tried to learn their weapons. Yeah, yeah. And it it, it just it ended up creating a, a more rounded character. And we did that. You know, everyone had characters like that. And the ones that didn't play the role playing game, we used the same basis when right, when writing right. a character. Well, very rarely. I I don't know how most people make a, a fan film, but even regular films, 
you're not going to get that rich a backstory with a character. I mean, that's what you really want with any character. You want it. You would want probably as much of their life as possible mm -hmm. to get as close as possible. Yeah. So the the idea of having a role playing game and then using the characters into reality is like one of the best ideas ever because you have a f fleshed out character right. who's had real quote unquote real things. <laughs> I always forget to to. Uh, that I'm recording when I do my <laughs> But the drawback to that is that person inhabits that character so much that you can't just put a new person in. Right, character, right. You need a new character. So, like, what people notice in Street Fight, and you picked it up right off the bat, is there's a new captain. Well, the reason for that is the guy that actually played the captain moved out of state. Oh, yeah. Oh, so we simple as that. Yeah. So we couldn't we we had a choice. We either recast somebody in that same role, and it wouldn't really work. You know, it just mm -hmm. it just couldn't you couldn't bring the same thing. Or we bring in a new character. Now you bring in a new character as a new captain. Okay, well, we had all these relationships before. Now they're all turned on their head because you have a new captain, same crew. Well, is the crew loyal to the old captain? Suspicious of this new guy because new guy was brought in by the admiral that none of them like. Oh, uh, okay. So is he with them or again against them? How's it working? So you have this whole new conflict going on, along with the the space battle. <laughs> so it, and the conflict is brought on by just unavoidable circumstances mm -hmm. in the in the right. putting together of the movie. So, so you which might, happens a lot in. Most, I don't think people. Most people realize that the movie they see on screen, yeah, it was scripted, and there's like continuity people in there. But then there's so many random facts, mm. so many movies that have had things that have, like, for example, Paul Spataro Jaws, where the shark broke down and didn't work well, the special effects shark. So they had to change the whole idea of the movie to make it work because they couldn't show the shark, and it worked out to its advantage. Mm -hmm. And there's so much of that. People think movies are planned out to the last detail, but you're just you're almost like, um, you almost can't avoid it. it, it it's just you're you're almost at the mercy of of the fates when you make a movie, and and you also have to be able to bend and and and, and actors and actresses are the flakiest people <laughs> in the world. So they're they're you know they're you have to bring in new ones and stuff, and. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. Like, the first one was was mostly enjoyable on a technical basis of, like, okay, how did you do that? Mm -hmm. I found it really fascinating that you were doing the green screen effects in camera. Yeah. Through the view screen. And, uh, yeah, that's... That, that, that's well, that, that can't... That idea... That I would, that's so scary. Because you're probably looking at it on the screen of... That looks pretty yeah. good. As a matter of fact, that looks really good. You know, I don't see any. It, yeah, it looks yeah. Good. Well, what the the that idea came from another fan series, and this this is a really long running one called Hidden Frontier. That's how they do all their filming. It's all in the all camera. In camera. But they, I believe, have much better equipment than we did. Uh -huh. We had an off the shelf. You can key in your camera. Camera. It wasn't any professional level. It was like two hundred dollars or something. Oh like that. wow! Yeah. It was like a handy cam. Yeah, it was. It was just a regular camcorder yeah. that you could also chroma key with. So it's not like we had any high tech. I didn't know they made those. 
Apparently. <laughs> was that your is that your camera? Do you still have that camera? No, that was Ed's camera. Ed Ed was he's the guy who plays the captain. And he was the he was the one in charge he was the captain of the Justice. He was the one in charge of the fan club. And it was his idea to do all this. Because he saw some of the fan stuff that was out there. He saw Hidden Frontier, he saw New Voyages, he saw Starship Exeter and all this and got the bug, basically. And we worked on it from there. And then the second one, we had two cameras and we said, you know, this chroma key stuff, let's do it later. Yeah. <laughs> let's yeah, do yeah. it after the fact. Well, I and mean, that consumer camera, the, the, yeah, the chips and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. And you could do a lot more in, in the computer and say, oh crap, that's, that's over here. Let me, you know, in this area, key yeah. that out and things yeah. like this. But uh, as far as the view screen thing goes, in the third one, where we had three cameras, well, the first two were filmed in garages. I'm not kidding. I mean, mm-hmm. the garage in someone's house. The third one, the one one member said, hey, you know, I live alone. I have this big house, perfectly paid off. I don't need to worry about anything. I have this finished basement that's got two rooms in it. Well, the one room I use is storage. The other room, it's, you know, it's kind of empty now. Let's paint one wall blue. And we'll use that. And I had carpeting. So it deadened the sound. Deadened the sound. You could tell. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we painted the one wall blue behind us. Got fluorescent lights. And put them on pegboards. And put them up on stands. And that's what we lit the background with. So a lot cooler than the work lights we were right, using. Right, right. And because we were indoors, he had a soundboard that we record all the sound through, and he has spare television. So, oh, the, so you could watch it. So just the main camera, like because uh, I end up directing the third one, the main camera would be in the middle, and we would have cables run to the side, and there was a TV monitor there. So when we were filming, I'd be watching the TV, the TV. monitor. To see how everything was looking. How it's going to look out on the TV. Yeah. Right. And that's when we would figure out, you know, oh, no, 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 God, move this over here, or oh, that light's too bright over here, move that. So you would, it was, I guess it was like a 24-inch TV. So it, it got really crowded in that room. Oh, yeah. You had three cameras. I was in the at middle. Least, at least you had fluorescent lights, so it wasn't getting like it was you know, still hot. Yeah, it was still hot. It'd yeah, so we bodies we had them. we had Danny had film lights in there. Oh my god! Yeah, so we had Danny, and they're supposed to be on this ice planet. So he's wearing his turtleneck, the away team jacket, gloves, and this robe because he's supposed to be freezing over him. He was. Dying. Yeah. <laughs> we were, luckily we were filming in the winter and there was a sliding glass door. More on that just, later. Uh, so we just opened the sliding glass door and got as much cold air in as possible. But we had, so we had Lou, who was the ho- owner of the house. He was on the soundboard. So he had his head, headphones on the whole time. He was listening. We actually had a microphone at each camera that he had plugged into the soundboard. So we weren't using the cameras mics themselves. Right. We had actual external microphones. So we had so he would run a camera on that side. I would be sitting in the middle. I would run the camera in the middle, and then we'd have somebody else on the other side running the camera, and you doing the clapboard. 
because when you have three cameras and the soundboard, you need sync. to be able to sync it. <laughs> yeah. And having editing, being editor of the thing, I needed to have that bang right there. Mm-hmm. That's the spike in sound. That's what I sync to. So, but the you didn't see it because we were talking. But in at the end of each credits, there's a no like the first one. Uh, on, I think it says only one Doomsday Machine was harmed in the making of this film. The second one was. Uh, I think the second one said no doomsday machines were harmed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The third I one could. says only one engineer was harmed in the making of this film. I was that engineer. How, how, oh, what happened? Okay. When oh, we is were, this the sliding glass door? This is the yes. sliding glass door. Oh, no. We painted that wall, right? This was, I want to say, sometime in the summer. So we painted the one wall blue. And we had the door open. You know, the ventilation when you're painting and all that. Well, Ed and I, we go to wash the brushes out. And there's a bath, half bath right there. And Lou said, okay, well, I'm going to get some burgers started. So he goes, and he put, unbeknownst to me, closes, closes the, door. the door. Man must use Windex. <laughs> he ought, Super Windex. So I heard, you know, oh, burgers are ready. So, oh, cool, I'm done washing. Ed, you got that? Yeah, you got that. Okay. So oh, I go around, no. go to the door. My left knee comes up, shatters the glass. And you can't see this, listeners. All right. Speaking of Jaws, Palspataro, I might have to start ripping out my scars. Right here. On my leg. Oh, yeah. Oh, shit. Piece of glass came down. Oh. Slice. Uh, the the term I use is I was filleted like a flounder. Oh, so yeah, you were like looking inside. There's also your life. I, I also have a scar on my head oh. right here because when I looked down, oh, sliced my head. I looked down, my legs flopping open. Oh, uh, no nerves, no arteries. It cut meat, and oh. that was it. So I look, clamp my leg. Fall backwards. Oh, Jesus. And I, all I say is, you had better call 911. <laughs> so I'm laying there. Danny calls Michelle, my wife, who was at home. Yeah, and before we call 911, let's freak out the wife completely. Oh, yeah. He, this is this is the exact thing that he said to my wife at home. It's been an accident. Gene's okay. We're taking him to the hospital. Click. A message. <laughs> that was a message. No. She, she was answered on the, the phone. phone. Oh Jesus. Okay, so we had oh. me and three others: Ed, Lou, and Danny. Lou immediately called nine one one. Ed was a volunteer firefighter. All right, that's so good. So he was able to get He's like, like a towel. Sure, yeah, yeah. Start, yeah. Danny was the one oh, who was lucky. You know, doing this. But I'm there. I don't like blood. I do I not would... like blood at all. And how do you like your own blood? Probably doubly less. Yes. <laughs> but I immediately went into my first aid training from Boy Scouts. So I'm there, clamped on my leg. I said, okay. I, somebody get me a towel. Make sure you call nine one one. 
Oh, I'm get a pillow because I think I'm going into shock. Yeah, you definitely were going you know, into shock. I'm t- I'm which just, luckily uh, takes away, which luckily yeah. like kills a lot of pain. But also I, I was or- down. I yes. was ordering these people around. Now it's good I fell backwards, and I didn't uh, t- try and take a step because in the bottom of my left foot, this is all on my left leg. The bottom of my left foot, piece of glass like this in my sneaker. About but it didn't two inches long. Because if I had tried to step down, gone right into my foot. I also have a scar on top of my knee, but I can't find it right now. It's on the same side because I went to the emergency room. I'm laying there. I had a private room. I actually had a plastic surgeon come in. And he sewed... I had two rows of internal stitches. Right, right. They have to do all the layers up right. through. Then a, oh. a row of external stitches. External stitches on the top of my knee, stitches on my forehead. The entire time, they have TV in there. The entire time, I'm watching A Few Good Men. That's how long it took. It took the length of A Few Good Men to sew up to my sew leg. Up your leg. Oh my god. So that's the engineer that got injured in the making of that. Well, yeah, it's, the more and more it's taken on more of a real film. Like a real <laughs> film you know? Uh, I think that's the worst thing I've ever done to myself. I I would imagine, and yeah, I oh, but here's it makes, here, it makes my slice stories puts them to shame. I can probably dig up the pictures if you ever want to oh, see them. Oh, I would look at them. I wouldn't like it, but I would look at them. <laughs> but my my wife, and this is the this is the hilarious part of this, and this is part of the whole why I'm not a, an atheist, why I believe there's other things out there. As this happened, right, my wife is washing dishes. She feels a glass break in her hand. Well, the glass in her hand's whole. Phone rings. And then... Then that's Danny yeah. going... Then he hangs up on yeah. her. <laughs> and she immediately called him back, like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Can I have a few more yeah. details, please? <laughs> Let's fill it in a little bit more. Yeah. I... I really feel bad for those paramedics though because at the time I was over 300 pounds and they had to carry me out on a stretcher oh yeah well they know how to do that they yeah did. but they didn't enjoy it no but sometimes you don't enjoy your job yeah I saw that happen to like she had to be three pushing 400 pound Oof. woman it was she literally you ever seen Monty Python's Meaning of Life it was oh, okay Mr. she she had the Mr. Creosote walk where wow and uh she fell down the stairs coming coming down you know, three steps from the upper dining room to the lower dining room. Fell on the stairs where feet top of the stairs, head at the bottom Ooh. of the stairs. And was just like stuck there. So everybody on the top was stuck on the upper part of the <laughs> restaurant until the uh, until the um you know, paramedics showed up to, to carry her out and mm-hmm. it was funny because two paramedics walked in and then they looked at her, and one paramedic stayed. The other one walked. Three more paramedics. <laughs> back three more paramedics. And, uh, but, tangenting again. Yeah, well, it was an interesting tangent. <laughs> uh, what what um, kind of feedback have you gotten on this from, from anybody? Well, there's... It's interesting when you read some of this stuff that they think that everything... Put on film is supposed to be professional. 
Right, right, right. Well, yeah, they're 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 um, um, reviewing it as if they'd mm-hmm. gone to the movie theater and paid right. eight bucks to see a movie that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. some some of the people the people that are in the, that community, that are in the fan film community, they know what goes right. on there. They like it. Right. You know, it's not the greatest one out there, but they, they like it, they enjoy the characters and all this. The people that are coming in from the outside reviewing it are saying, so, well, they can't act, and they have bad special effects, and like the, the dialogue is hokey. It's, yeah, tell what, you what, give have, me enough money so I don't have to have a job, so I have time to learn yeah. to act, and... Uh, yeah, I mean, and to perfect every scene. When you yeah. have when you have people that have no training at all and are doing it for fun, well, you know, whatever. I I personally, well, I shouldn't say it, I never like with fan films and stuff. I don't like to be hard on them because I know what it takes to mm-hmm. make video, and I oftentimes think, yeah, I'm better than I could do better than that, but. Maybe not with a star, a Star Trek film where you have mm-hmm. to conform to the the you yeah. Know, there the are certain that people are used to. I probably would 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 never. Be, I would be like, no, nah, I don't want to. I don't want to do it because <laughs> it would be really hard and time consuming. You have a lot of restrictions on it, but and, we also put restrictions on on ourselves. Well, yeah, right. but I mean, to get that, to get these, and these movies are all like roughly twenty five minutes long. The first, well, the first one was seventeen minutes. Seventeen, because that was that was more of a proof of concept. Hey, can we yeah. do this? And yeah, it yeah. was kind of thrown together. Ed and Ed and, and I sat. While you were yeah, doing we, it. we kind of wrote it in two nights, the whole thing. So there wasn't well, I much think there. Besides the, the 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 special effects and the writing are like both solid on mm. on these three, and that's what. It's it's engaging all the way through because, and I think the writing in them, the stories and the way the stories transpire and the way things happen, are very Star Trek. You know, they are in in that world, and they're 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 partially like Star Trek TV show, mm. but then again, some of them are kind of comicy. Remind me of the Star Trek comics, some of the elements of the. Thing, which right. is good because, it, it, well, it's also being made by fans who are fans of the TV show, the movies, and the comics, and the books, yeah. In the fact, novels. You know, some There's of, a lot of novels and video games. It was all sort of little elements of all of it in there. Yeah. I, one one thing that we specifically ripped off from the comics was the Romulan ship. Which was my second favorite ship. I like the pirate ships, too. The, the, yes. Those, yeah, I the Orion pirate show. ships. Yeah, and that those came from the... Uh, the FASA video uh, role playing game, but the the Romulan ship is, and I I'm trying to remember the the title because it was it was like a four issue arc that was its own thing. Sulu was the captain of the Excelsior, Kirk was captain of the Enterprise, and they did this thing, and the Rom it was like two warring factions of aliens. And the Romulans are helping one of them. And they had a proto-warbird in the comics. And it's, it's beautifully drawn. And it's a D7, Klingon D7, with a shorter neck and the connecting piece under the warp nacelles. So you can see, well, okay, they went from this to that, to that in yeah. Next Gen. And we just blatantly stole it. <laughs> because of where the, the movie 
you know, where the, the film era is. If you're making a Star Trek movie, you can't steal anything that's ca- that's canon. You got that's what you're supposed to use. Yeah, right? Yeah. Well, I guess DC Star Trek. It was a DC Star. It was Trek? DC Star Trek. DC yes. Star Trek. I I don't know if it's considered canon, but it's like officially licensed Star Trek. Yeah. So. Well, I consider it to be that because if you read the you read the DC comics, especially the ones that happen between the movies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it syncs up with the movies. You can watch the movies on their own. And it's like, right. let's say the end of Star Trek Three, they're on Vulcan with a, a Klingon bird of prey. Beginning of Star Trek Four, they're on Vulcan with a Klingon bird of prey. Well, in the comic series, the bird of, they take the bird of prey, they're going to go back to Earth. Well, something happens, and they end up on a star base, and... Word comes in, well, hey, you know, we need to do this. Admiral Kirk, you guess what? You're now in charge of the Excelsior. Well, they put the bird of prey in the, the shuttle bay of the Excelsior. And then they have all these adventures in the comics. And it's time for Star Trek IV is coming around. And Spock was a captain at this time. His mind was fully restored. Yes, yes. And he went on to a, and was a captain of a science vessel. Well, they have this whole incident where the science vessel is actually destroyed. And Spock's mind goes kablooey. And he goes reverts back they something happens and they have to abandon ship because suddenly someone's out someone in Starfleet has it out for Kirk and they come and they retake the Excelsior but Kirk's beat feet in the gotta take him back to Vulcan to get Spock's brain back in order he's back in the bird of prey on Vulcan so it it works smoothly I think it works smoothly yes and so I consider that all to be in there. So anything that's in those comics, the comics, the role-playing game, like you said, anything officially licensed, we would mine from. There's there's an offhand comment in the third one, A Touch of Home, where they're trying to figure out, why the hell are the Romulans in Klingon space? Well, Stoffels says... Uh, pardon me, but you said that very much like William Shatner. It was great. <laughs> Klingon space. I'm, I'm channeling him. He was he was here yesterday. <laughs> uh, but Stoffel's is trying to find what's going on, and he says, well, you know, we're so close to the triangle, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. In, the, in the Star Trek role-playing game, the triangle was where the Romulan Empire, the Klingon Empire, and the Federation all met. And there was this one area... Where the three lines are squashed into uh, a Of of contested space, because it's like neutral zone, neutral zone, neutral zone, dead in between. There's actually an area in Pennsylvania, due to the way they mark the lines between Maryland and Delaware. The top of Delaware is this arc. It's It's from a point, you draw a circle, and that's the top border of Delaware. Well... Maryland's just completely straight. Well, that circle starts and comes around, and there's actually a place in Pennsylvania that technically isn't in any state because of the way they had to draw the lines. Oh. It's only like like 10 square feet. I'm <laughs> building my like house there yeah. declaring it a free country. <laughs> but that's the triangle in Star Trek. So we would mine all this in back information and just throw it in there. It's like the Flash. Like the Flash TV show. They just throw things in. You don't know if they're going to build on them, but it's like, hey, yeah, we know about that. And it works. 
works on there. I hope it works on us. Now, if this was a listener on Facebook that said this, please remind me who you are, but I remember some one of the people we know was telling Scott Gardner and I that I, I love when this sort of thing happens, that he would design his own, um, you know, Starfleet ships. Oh. And uh, I can't remember. He was maybe putting them online or it was part of fan films or something, but he got contacted by John Byrne, who was doing the Fumettis. Um, oh, okay, yeah. And said, hey, I like that ship. Can I use that ship as one of my ships on in my Fumetti? And the guy's like, sure. Hmm. There it is. Nice. In, and and it's a new a new ship entered the Starfleet. You know, <laughs> a new design that that anybody could use technically. Yeah, it's. I think a lot of a lot of the reason that we were so slow in making these. One. You have life mouths to, mouths to feed. <laughs> but the the other reason is, and this this is the geek mindset. We wouldn't put something in unless we knew what it was. Okay. So, like, there's a... Uh, when they're looking at the scannings and they have the the computer cross-reference this and all that. Well, this was in contact by the USS Repulse and NCC. Uh, we know the USS Repulse is the flagship of the 7th Fleet. We know it is an Excelsior class. We know it comes from Starbase 20. You don't find that in the fan film. Right. But that's the stuff that we would write out before we even mentioned the ship. And it's a ship we created. No one knows this. Right. But we had to know it before we put it in. So if it came up later... Right, you could say... We could oh, say, oh, well, that's this. this. Yeah. You know, the Repulse is what is would be Admiral Voss's flagship if he ever went on a ship. He would go on to the Repulse, because that's the flagship of the Seventh Fleet. He's in charge of that area. Well, that reminds me of when we were watching it, that you had one character, and I'm like, man, this guy looks hostile. He just has that kind of face where mm-hmm. he looks mad. And and when he would do his lines, they were kind of short and terse and a little angry. And sometimes sarcastic. And I was like, yeah. And I'm like, man, this guy just seems angry. But there's, like like I said, there's no reason. He was just, like, working his job and, mm. and angry. But you were saying he's got a whole backstory where he's a Rom- Romulan, you said? Yeah, he's he's, he's a modified Romulan. Romulan. Uh, that and I, I don't remember what was going on, why he was specifically on the Justice, but in Upgrade, the second episode, there's a plot to... eventually. The first victim is Dr. Hoppler, who we never see. He's just MacGuffin boy. Right, right. And he's killed... And then my character is injured by this virus, which killed the other guy. And it's a whole plot of the Romulans to disrupt that, because Starbase 24 is on the border of the Romulan neutral Mm -hmm. zone. So it's a a plot to disrupt this Starbase and everything. Well, Lieutenant Williams, who was played by Tim Longo, who is a great guy and did a wonderful job with it, he is the infiltrator. He's the one that planted the virus. He's keeping an eye on the justice and what's going on. So he's playing it. He's a Romulan who hates humans. But he has to act like a human. So whenever someone asks him something obvious, 
He has, he's he, exasperated. He, he yeah. gives him agitation. Like, come on, dummy, you should know this. Why do I have to tell you? And once you know that, yeah, it's just it's like. Oh. Yeah, yeah, it was literally like that. It was in like five minutes after, because uh, I kept pausing these and going, yeah. "Well, what about this?" You know, and and uh, the next line he said, it was like, "Oh yeah, okay, mm-hmm. yeah." And, and that's how that's how we would write it. We knew, and then you need... have material for later stories. Yeah, too. well, it was supposed to be. I think I don't remember if it was in Street Fight or the next one that we had written that he was going to be outed as the spy and something would happen and he would go I think it might have been street fight because we had the new security chief we did we mentioned him in upgrade and then never saw him and then we had cast somebody for it and filmed things and I think he finally discovered who it was but we were laying the groundwork and I didn't point this out but if you look in a touch of home on the view screen on the bridge during the the battle with the Orion ships, it's a tactical view. So you see the planet, you see a Starfleet emblem, and then you see four Orion emblems for the Orion ships. On the planet in the command base, there's a tactical view behind the Romulan. It's the exact same one. Oh, okay. So... Williams is feeding that information. That information, and, oh my god, yeah, it's we're sometimes we're too subtle for our own good. Well, I mean, the thing about being that subtle is, you, you would have to just keep putting out shows. You'd have yeah. to keep, have a have a, which is almost impossible if you have a life and you're not right. doing it to make money. You have to do it whenever you can get everybody together and do it. But yeah, if you keep doing it regularly, that's going to pay off. But uh, another thing we were talking about earlier is you guys were talking that you, well you have the trailer that's sort of I don't want to say stalled but it's it's stalled yeah, it's stalled the, of, of the final program but you were saying you had a solution to making for what you were maybe well, thinking yeah. about doing with further episodes well because of the story originally everyone involved lived in northern New Jersey uh, in the Morris Warren County area. Mm-hmm. Well, since then, the guy that played the captain and his wife who played Enigma, the android, moved to Louisiana for work reasons. I, who played the engineer, and my wife, who played the doctor, moved to South Jersey due to work reasons. And I'm, I'm not sure about some of the others. I think we lost contact with one of the guys. So it's all... Getting getting the band back together yeah. for a film is not going to happen. But, for some reason, I have this experience with uh, audio programs. Audio sounds, yeah. How'd that happen? And it's it almost would work better as an audio drama. Because the one, the one script that we had written out, that we were planning, there was going to be... Street Fight would be the next one, and then this uh, episode called Priya, which was about a giant hollow asteroid, planetoid, I, I don't remember the scale, but it was this humongous thing that we would, the Romulans would find, and the Federation would find pretty much at the same time, and then there would be a phaser fight Ooh. inside. Ooh. 
and it was we were trying how the hell are we going to do this yeah you know, what kind of special effects are going how are we going to film it that script lends itself perfectly to an audio drama because you don't need to worry about the visuals oh you want to make it sound hollow well guess what everyone has a little echo Turn now a little echo yeah so we can do it as an audio drama then you don't have to worry about you know the fact that everyone's 10 years older yep yep or 90 pounds lighter well that too and my wife has lost weight since then too you look you look at that and you see her now. I, I did not recognize, but, yeah. but she has a wig on too. In the she in has the, a wig on, but and she's pro, I think she's like 20, 25 pounds lighter than that. And ten years young and ten, ten years, years older. Younger. Well, she's ten years yeah older yeah. now. Yeah, she's ten years old now and rocking the original series uniform. I must say. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, the, if we go audio drama, and that would that would expand the cast possibilities mm-hmm. too. Because then you can have some, like, uh, the one guy from the USS Intrepid fan film is in Scotland. He could doesn't come matter. in and do something. Yeah, it doesn't matter now. You yeah. know, any, anyone that has access to Audacity yep. could Yeah, yeah, could be actually, a I was thinking Skype like a pop, but I'm in podcast mode. But yeah, yeah. they could just sit and, and do their... They just do their lines, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it would, I would... Prefer to have a little more direction say, if you had to a it. Good, if you had a good Skype connection, then you could act off each other. Well, you know? what and you, you could, well, you know, what you could do is talk on Skype while recording on Audacity, right? And then everybody sends them the files because then, then you can, have a consistent sound quality. With yes, them. yes, everybody's getting their full, you know, wave sound and no diddling with that bad connection or dropouts or anything like that. Right, but. You're you're acting with the other person, so you can you can re- gauge how you're gonna reply and to- you know subtle tones of voice by what they just said, right? And it will have just a more natural feel, and as opposed to where and you know, everybody ad- just does their lines, you know. <laughs> the ad benefit is you don't have to remember your lines because then you can read them. You can just read <laughs> them. Yeah, you can just sit there with a script. Everybody can just it would be like a cold reading for a play or a or a movie where everybody sits around a table mm-hmm. holding the script in their hands. Yeah, essentially. And and doing that. And I mean it's. Part of the reason that podcasting, uh, the editing process to me, seems easier mm-hmm. is because it's it's the same thing I was doing with the video without minus the visual. The vid- minus all the hard part. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And the, the time-consuming part and the taxing to your... Yeah, your I mean, you're still doing the sound part. effects, you're still doing the music, but you don't need to worry about transporter effects. You just put the sound in, yep. and guess what? You just transport it. Yep. Yep. So that... I think that's. I know exactly how. I mean, before I was a pod, before I was doing podcasts, I always just have to have some sort of hobby to keep it. Mm-hmm. And you know, before that, I had the band, and then, and I still had the band at the same time. But then I had a public access show, and that was a weekly half hour show, of, uh, you know, video video editing, and we right. would go out and we'd film local bands. But it wasn't just a local band show. We would like show a couple, a little bit of the song, and then do mm-hmm. interviews. But we also did, whether it was, like our most produced thing was we had the rabbit puppet get cancer surgery out of him, and it had characters and a doctor and right. editing, sound effects, special effects, and stuff like that. And we we 
just like the podcast, one of our goals was to be consistent. You know, right. We're going to do this like we're, you know, we're, and the other guys who were working with me were all went to film school with me. So we're like, we're going to do this every week, you know, no, no slacking off. And we did for years. But, <laughs> oh man, it was hard. And that was oh, a yeah. half hour a week. That was only a half hour of video a week. And it wasn't super intensive all the time. It was like sometimes, and at this point, I know it'll change someday. I could care if I, I could care less if I ever edit video again. Although right. if I started vid- edit, editing video, I'd be like, oh, I forgot how fun this is. Yeah. But, but it, with, it, with podcasts, it's just so much nicer. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But next time I do video. Oh boy, it's gonna have some good sound design on it. It might be better sound design than the actual video looks because of just you know the last six years of podcasting. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess I'm gonna wrap this up just by saying I am always like whenever anybody I know completes a movie, <laughs> much less three movies, or like writes a book or something. I almost can't be critical. I can be critical and go, oh, yeah, well, this could be improved and this and this and this and this. But I'm always just amazed because, you know, 999 times out of 1,000, it don't ever materialize. There's right. so many people who say, you know, we ought to make a Star Trek fan film. We do this and we'll be in it and blah, blah, blah. And that's it. And then, they, and then you know, they, they go about it. It's just, a, you know, the pipe dream stuff. And when it actually happens, it's just so impressive to me. And, yeah. Well, when you have a bunch of people that can be single-minded about something, right, it right, will happen. <laughs> right, yes. And that's that's the wonderful thing about it. And it's not motivated by, like, money because, you know, it's your job or anything. It's yeah. the true love of the material, you know, to, to do it. And yeah. I, re- I recommend, I, I, I'd like to hear what other people people think because I, I i i recommend them it's um yeah there's definitely some acting go- actually there's not really any overacting going on there's a lot of underacting it's 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 more underacting yeah which it's hard to say which way you should go with with a production <laughs> with non-actors you know because overacting non-actors could be yeah it can be even more so yeah i think that was part of the Part of what it was, you know. Okay, listen, just just don't go over. Yeah, the top. let's just try to keep this. <laughs> let's let's keep let's get our lines done and have a little bit of emotion in there, and then we'll be happy. It's kind of more of the difference between Star Trek the Star Trek the original series and Next Generation. They just you know dial it, dial it back a bit, right? But the story and the ideas from them are pure Star Trek, and the way it it goes, you know, mm-hmm. you're not you didn't you weren't making action movies. Although there's an action by the third one, there's a lot of action, but it's ideas, you know. Right. It's 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 a it's a the what I love is the science fiction premise, you know. It's like something's gone wrong, something's happening, we got to figure it out, and uh, that's what I always think of as Star Trek more than phaser battles or right. things blowing up. Things blow up because of the the story that's going on, but mostly it's just almost like a a crime procedural you know you're trying to yeah well, trying to figure out what's going on and then trying to figure out how to correct it or get get out of it yeah and the second one was 
more or less just it was a, a murder and attempted murder investigation. Yes, it just it yep. was you know CSI without being CSI. Yep, which is a lot of Star Trek episodes are like that. So yeah, I would have I, I I you know I know that there's a, I actually I would like to see more of the films, but that would probably mean less podcasts. I can so, guarantee you it means yeah, less podcasts. So, so. So I'm sort of glad you're you're, you're podcasting now and not for Star Trek fan films. Yeah, maybe when Demanza Kirk gets going, we'll we'll uh, when we get we'll the video together, wing. Yeah, we'll put together our own Star Trek fan film. That would be interesting. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, I we, mean, we got the hair. Well, look at the look at the crew we got. We got the hair metal hero mm. Gardner. What are we gonna put Gardner as? I I think the, I can come up with some stuff. I think the nurse. <laughs> so if I'm holding up for nurse. Yeah, but with the timeline that that is in there, you can do anything you want. You know, you can, we can go all the way back to Robert April days if we right, wanted right. to. Well, and and the, the amount of and I'd been to the um, wiki that there is. Oh yes, the wiki entries on it, and it's just like, look at this. Everybody has their you know these intense backstories. You know, Hell, that, some of them have a timeline of you, in. This year, this happened. This year, this happened. Yeah. Because it's because in the context of the FASA games, it did. Well, it Actually, did. It, it wasn't quite that is detailed. Is all that stuff out of the games, or is some of it like we now, took what, the games and then You we, took the games as a basis, and, and then from there you built on it? Because on it's, it. okay, well, why is, like my character, why is he lieutenant commander? He should, he should be beyond that by now. Well, okay, well, then this happened, and that triggered this. Oh, and he met his wife over here, and they got married there, and all this. Yeah. And it's because... You, well, you guys not only write it, but you make it reflect in the story, because you have yeah. that, that very story you were talking about, and one of them you have a character who's, you know, the two characters who are involved in that backstory, they don't... There's a little... There's a mention of it between two different characters, saying, right. oh, you don't want to blame him for that, but... For the most part, and, and, and that is just sort of a little line on itself. Nothing is explicit, but you've you, taken that from it, and yeah. Now all of a sudden, this character shows up from that, and because if if you have that, and that's that's your basis, that's your Bible, mm-hmm. and you go from there, then you can work these stories in. You can work in this mention here, or you can work in it and layer down the line. It's like okay, well, this came down to bite him in the ass, but look at the preceding. That's, right, right. See, that's it comes from comic books. Yes, yes. Because I am such a continuity nut that I needed to do this oh, in yeah. order to properly write the characters. So, was it your idea to try to to explain the captain's glasses? Yes, yeah. The the one guy is that he's, driving you nuts. Well, yeah, because the at the time I wore glasses. I wear contacts now, mm-hmm. but at the time I wore glasses. Uh, Danny, who plays Stoffel's wore glasses. The captain, he actually We're had Star that, Trek fans. We all wear glasses. Well, the captain <laughs> actually had to have eye surgery because he, um, I think, his, his corneas needed to be replaced. Oh, yeah, he, yeah, it was horrible. Yeah, but then he he also has to wear glasses. Well, everyone that was wearing glasses when they were doing their their takes, they would take them off. Yeah, because well, the one guy. That. The one guy said, no, no, hey, Kirk wore glasses, I'll wear glasses. Well, when it, when it came into that, I had to explain it. 
it was nagging me. You gotta explain this. People are gonna. People have been saying he's wearing glasses. Well, and it's just a throwaway line. The doctor tells his character, "Hey, there's a new version of Retinox out there," and he looks. Now I have my own remedies and taps his glasses. That's it. That's all you need. That's all you yeah. need. It's just you see the character is refusing the medical treatment because he prefers that way. You know. So it's, it explains it and allows him to keep doing what he wants to do. And you also just reminded me of the captain of one of my other favorite moments of where you had the shot where you needed the captain in the background. Oh, yeah. Put, put the still picture of him. I love that. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Because it, it took me a couple times seeing it to go like, something's not right there. Yeah. The captain's not moving. Well, that was once we got to... The second one. That's where we decided that we need depth. Because if you watch yeah. the first one, it's one person or two people, and they're all at the exact same position. Yes. Nothing from nothing behind them. Well, in the second one, we started to mess around with the, the layering, and you could put things behind you. And the first time we did it was in the very end of the second one, where you have... The home console in the front, which we actually did build, uh, I believe Danny still has it. It's it's an actual physical full size home console that we can break into three pieces for transportation. Then you have uh, Mike and Tim are sitting behind it, and Helm and Navigator, and then per- behind them is Ed as the captain, and it's. It's two different layers. Right. Because yeah, the captain had to be further back. We didn't have the depth in the actual room. When you get to a touch of home, the third one, you have in that same shot, then you have the railing along the outside of the bridge as its own layer, and you have somebody walking by in a, a faraway shot. And I actually worked it out in the one that you have one guy walking in counterclockwise. You have one guy walking in clockwise in two different shots. The third shot is where they would both meet, and they meet, and the one guy moves aside, and the one goes by. And that was, we specifically filmed background walking. Yeah. It was like, okay, walk perpendicular to the camera. Okay, now walk on this angle. Okay, now walk on this angle. Okay, now you two walk, and you get out of his way. Just stock stuff. Yeah. So we just throw it in. But that and that's stuff that people don't even pay attention to, but yeah. it adds up to reality. There was another shot where, you know, the people were sneaking past some sentries. and just as the shot as the shot was finishing off, you can just see two more sentries coming from the background to the yeah. foreground. Just a little detail like that adds so much like depth visually and story-wise without people even usually realizing it. Right, because we had to have some what something and it was there was one I created completely out of whole cloth was because we had to figure out these two characters inside this base. How are they getting this far in? Right. Are they are they really that good? Or did somebody see them and not do anything? Well, when oh. when the door opens initially, there's a quick shot of a control panel with a blinking light, and you hear someone say "tie." Well, and well, I'll get to this in a minute. That was a sound clip from another scene, and that was just something I did. 
Door opened. Alert. Door's open. And the Romulan says so in Romulan. Oh. If you notice in that, if the Orions, when they speak, they speak in Orion. They have green subtitles. When the Romulan speaks, he's in Romulan, in blue subtitles. Romulan, or the uh, Orion captain comes in, he starts speaking green subtitles. And Romulan says, no, don't, don't speak that filth in here. Changes to blue subtitles, and he stumbles over the words. He's trying to speak Romulan. Mm-hmm. And then when they confront Stoffels, Romulan speaks in English because he's interrogating a human, so he speaks in English. Why would they speak in English when there's no humans around? That's true. So we specifically put made them speak in their own language and just put subtitles in, just because it made more That's sense. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Star Trek, you don't do that. Star Trek, everyone speaks in English unless it's dramatic that they don't. Yeah, right, right. It's usually in the beginning of the movie when there's some sort of attack that the, because it's so much more exciting to have the Klingons going, ah, 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 yeah. ah. and uh, but that you know almost always they break down and what I love in movies it doesn't happen in Star Trek but it happens in all other kinds of movies as people speak in Russian a while and then they go wait let's stop talking Russian and practice our English now <laughs> you know and then the, and then. Or you zoom in on Sean Connery's nose, and then he suddenly (laughs) speaks English. (laughs) And then they just practice their English for the rest of the movie. Right. And after ten minutes, you've forgotten that conversation, and it already establishes the status quo, and and on it goes. But, uh, yeah, I would have liked to have seen, like, if you would have got two or three more of these done, I'll bet you they'd be getting really slick by now. Yeah, just the the way we kept yeah, ramping things up. And technology, the the guy who was doing the CG for 10 years ago mm-hmm. was looking pretty, it was looking really nice. There was a, the scene of the p- mountains on the planet that had, like, real, like, they, they felt like a photograph. Yeah, like, well... They felt like they had real texture to them. Yeah, he was, some, he was using something uh, fractal-based to, to right. come up with the mountains. And then it's funny that the actual shot of the planet itself in that is somebody had made a model, and he did everything in light wave, so they made a light wave model of Hoth. Oh. So it's, hey, it's, <laughs> it's a frozen planet. That's a frozen planet. Sure. Let's use that. Sure, why <laughs> You not? never have to say anything. And when you put it up on the screen initially, and it's got the readout on it, which, if you notice, it came up in Klingon and then translated to English. I did not notice that. If you look at the readout, when that planet comes up, it starts in red Klingon text, and then below it, in blue English, it starts again. So it's like, this is what... Oh, translation. Translation. And it... It names the planet, shows you how big it is, and oh well, yeah, that's that's that planet. You don't think Hoth because no one says Hoth. Of course, everyone listening to this will now think. No, that. well, now, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just said Hoth. Yeah. Hoth didn't have mountains like that, though. No, no, these were definitely like these. They were almost like brain, brainy sort of deep ridges. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But I mean, if you consider just the wind erosion that you would get, yep. it would get patterns like yeah. that. Yeah, no, it looked like, and there was that that striped pattern of of how snow sticks to mm-hmm. that stuff. That it, and plus the snow that he put on top was. I don't know if that was out on out of the can snow effect. 
I think it was. But it looked was, really yeah. nice. It, it had a, it had depth to it, you know. Right. It, it wasn't just the front layer of snowflakes going by. There was, and every once in a while, a big fat one would yeah. sort of go f- around in the corner and stuff. And that that stuff does a lot towards. Yeah, but he only gave me when he did it. He only gave me one thing. It was like I think maybe three minutes. It was just a long pan. So every time we go to the plant, I cut a different a different part of the part pan. of it. And stuck it in, and that—that's the way I was doing time difference. Is I would do cutaways like that, mm-hmm. or cut, you know, from the plant to the ship, or the ship to the plant. Oh, you were getting yeah. nerdy by the second one. Oh yeah, especially when it was your own death. <laughs> the yeah. heart starts beating, and the, uh, it was well edited too. But it was bad. That was some dramatic, yeah, dramatic, almost death scene. Well, that. Like I like I told you when we were watching it, the when I finally got that scene edited and compiled, I said, "Hey Michelle, come over here, look at this." Played it for her. I got smacked in the back of the head because she had started crying watching it, and that's when I knew I had gotten it right. Yes, <laughs> I made my wife cry because of my fake almost death. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should end it there because that, that sounds like us. That sounds like the movie. That sounds like you're making the movie Oscar material. We actually haven't ended it because I wanted to leave that part of Oscar because it is Oscar material. Go check it out. Well, thanks for letting us have an actual Star Trek monthly Monday, so people don't don't rebel. No, oh, thank maybe, you for letting me reminisce. Maybe next month we'll have a Star Trek monthly Monday. Maybe not because we'll be going to Eternal Con and we'll be busy. With important work, like we have been for the last three or four days here. So, or maybe we'll figure something else, Star Trekky, to talk about. Or You never know. You never know. We're going to have representatives from both Listen to the Prophets and Star Trek Monthly Monday there. So... Yeah, we're going to have back... To, yeah, we're going to have all kinds of back yeah. to the bins there. Oh my god, it's... Anime freaks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, of course, all the plethora of podcasts Gardner and I do. Yeah. I have to talk about Daredevil because Weeder's going to be there. Oh, right, right. Oh, man, we should take a, we should take a field trip to, uh, to Daredevil's stomping grounds. We, we should get him to do, give us a Google map to do, because that, he, his Google foo is strong. So we should, we should get yes. him to do Google map. Okay, give us a Daredevil tour of New York. This is a comic book character tour yeah. of New York. We could do some Avengers stops, some mm-hmm. Superman stops. I'm already, Scott Gardner's already I'm hinting at maybe doing some super Superman stops because he wants to hit the uh, the um, Empire State Building. Yeah, he wants to go visit the Empire State Building. He doesn't want to hit the Empire State Building. He wants to punch the Empire State Building. <laughs> All right, now we're just slamming Scott Gardner. Well, we should because he's not here for Star Trek Monthly Monday. Too bad you're not here, man. All right. May the Force be with you. The clown with his pants falling down Or the dance that's a dream of romance Or the scene where the villain is mean that's entertaining The lights on the lady in tights Or the bride with the guy on the side Or the ball 
where she gives him her all. That's entertainment. The plot can be hot, simply teeming with sex. A gay divorcee who is after her ex. It can be Oedipus Rex, where a champ kills his father and causes a lot of bother. The clerk who is thrown out of work by the boss, who is thrown for a loss by the skirt, who is doing him dirt. The world is a stage. The stage is a world. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2TrueFreaks at the same time. Visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.com. 2TrueFreaks is always spelled... T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S You can email 2TrueFreaks directly at 2TrueFreaks at gmail.com 2TrueFreaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of... Two True Freaks. We were finally invited aboard one of these spacecraft, which landed near Ann Arbor, Michigan, on October the 24th of 1954. This is a drawing of the craft. As I was leaving the craft, the commander, Soltek, said, soon others of your people will be able to have an experience similar to this.